Welcome, Harvest Church family, and thank you for joining us this week for our sermon podcast. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged with the message prepared. Right now, let's listen in to this week's message. All right. Now that we got those introductions out of the way, thank God we can get to the good stuff. Man, I, and uh, I'm kind of biased because I'm saying I want to kind of start off with a little life update. Is that cool? Uh, I, I feel like we're all family here. And it's good to share memories and moments, and so I, I think it's good for us to get to know each other. So my life update is, I am officially married, y'all. Let's go. I am happy. I am officially off the market, and I have never rejoiced more in my life. Let's get those pictures up there. I want to show you guys. I, got, I brought a couple snapshots of my, my magic day. There you go. That's me, my beautiful wife, Letty. Letty, where are you at, babe? There she is. Why don't you go ahead and stand up real quick. This is my beautiful wife, uh, Leticia Vega. That's right. Took my last name. And everything else. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, and uh, let's, let's bring up those pictures again. They're, they're, this is my awesome bridal party. Uh, what, what, what's funny about this, what was funny about this is that they took the selfie, right? And it's like usually when they do that, it's like, ha-ha, we got your phone. Ha-ha, <laughs> joke's on y'all. I just put y'all on blast in front of the whole church. Boom. There you go. Yeah, and then, yeah, there you go. That's, that's the one right there. That's the money shot for me. Uh, as you can see, I'm rich enough to take everybody to Disneyland. <laughs> that's right. I'm also still, I, I'm also actually wearing the shoes. Somebody pointed out to me, I'm actually wearing the same shoes that I got married in. Uh, so they're, they're really cool. They're, they're my preaching shoes now because I feel like a man now that, now that I'm actually married. But as you can see, yeah, that, that, that was awesome. And, uh, you know, Letty, I, I, I wanted to start that off because Letty uh, is my wife. That is, the, that is the woman who God has selected who, to put right next to me. Because here's the thing. I'm a firm believer that, you know, they, they always say behind a great man is an even better one. It, not behind. It's side by side. This is a partnership thing. Any successful guy who's married, he knows that it's like, no, she's not behind. She, she's right there with you, you know. And so uh, I just want to honor you uh, in front of everyone, tell you I love you. I'm so excited. We have officially been married for a month. Six days, 18 hours, 45 minutes, 20 seconds, 21, 22, still going. And truly, it's been an incredible start to this journey. Now, uh, I want to make something very clear. Um, Marriage has actually been one of many transitions that I've experienced this year. Uh, First, you know, as a staff, we had Pastor Perry's retirement announcement, which I'm kind of sad that I didn't get like a, a, an iPhone notification because that's usually when I get sports and everything. I get a notification or whatever, but Pastor Perry made that announcement. When that announcement dropped, so did all of our jaws, man. We, you could hear a pin drop in that conference room. It was like, I'm retiring. What? We were like, everything stopped. It was like, but Pastor Perry's forever. <laughs> Papa P? No way. Retirement. And then after that, like right after that, I I became the new men's ministries pastor, which I got to say this right now, being the assistant to the guy in charge is way different than being the guy in charge. When you're an assistant, you can brush some stuff off and blow it away and be like, oh no, uh, that's actually a Pastor Gary question. Like you need to ask him, he needs to make the call. I got into the habit of doing that. And one time what happened was somebody came up to me and asked a question. I said, that's actually a Pastor Gary question. Pastor Gary came up to me and said, "Uh, excuse me, men's ministries pastor, Pastor Nelson, uh, I believe that's actually a question for you. And I was like, yes, yes it is. So what are you going to, what's your plan for this? Uh, You are going to find out. 
I have it. I have a plan. I want you to know that. I just want you to be assured. What is it? It's a plan that's going to be successful, Pastor Gary. I promise you that. It's going to work. Then after that, it's like I got married just in time to come vote the next day to see our newly elected lead pastor, all while trying to move into an apartment and settle in while also packing my bags to go on my honeymoon. Uh, and now I, I want you guys to understand, I finally moved out of my parents' house. I'm so happy. Yeah. I have no shame in admitting this. 30 years. Now, look, some of you guys are laughing at me like, wow, you're 30 and barely moved out. Y'all, it is expensive to live in California. <laughs> it's my mom and dad if you haven't figured it out. <laughs> but a lot of stuff piles up in 30 years. I just got done unpacking my last box. Why do I still have a shirt that I wore in high school? I am never going to be a medium again. My bone structure does not support a size medium. I look like a sausage if I wear it too long. <laughs> but finally, our apartment is starting to look like home. So all of this is happening. And, and, and you know what? I, I want to be vulnerable with you guys because get this. There were a lot of times that I found myself asking the question. I, I would say, God, I know that you know what you're doing, but are you sure you know what you're doing? Anybody ever been there before? It's like, and here's the thing too, like some of you guys are like real down, like, no, I'm a Christian. Like I know the answer. And it's like, I'm being real with y'all. Like being a pastor, it can be hard sometimes. It's like, you know what you're supposed to say, but at the same time, you're a human going through your own stuff. So it's like, God is going to be there for you. You got my back, right? Okay, good. And it's like, God, I know that you know, but do you know? But what's crazy about that is during this entire process, during this entire time, his answer was always the same. Trust me. God would just say, trust me. Okay, but God, trust me. Trust me. And as I reflect on the year, I realize that if I'm truly going to make it in this life and embrace all that God has for me, it's going to require a new level of trust. And I believe God's message to us this morning is simple. If we want to move forward the way God intends for us to, it's going to require a new level of trust. See, church, if you want to experience breakthrough in your life, it's going to require a new level of trust. You want to see miracle signs and wonders take place, it's going to require a new level of trust. If you want to see a promise God has spoken over your life come to pass, it's going to require a new level of somebody say trust. 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 Now, see, I could go around the room right now and ask each and every one of you what the definition of trust is, and I am sure we would all say something kind of similar, but ultimately it would be different. But I've come to find that there is a true biblical and powerful definition of trust that we as a people need to embrace, especially if we call ourselves the body of Christ. So before we dive in, let's pray. Let's pray. Father, we come before you right now in Jesus' name. We just want to thank you for this amazing day that you've given us. 
Thank you for allowing us to be able to be in this place, God. Thank you for the freedom that we have to be able to worship you, to be able to come and gather and just be in your presence. God, I pray that this would be your sermon, that it would be your words, not mine. God, I pray that this message would penetrate the hearts, that it would be planted like a seed, and that it would bear fruit in due time. God, I pray for those that need encouragement, that they would be encouraged. For those that need hope, that they would find hope. For those that need love and restoration, God, would you provide love and restoration to them. And God, we ask you that you would be in this place. Church, if you agree with me, say aloud, amen. Amen. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. All right. Let's go ahead and open up our Bibles to Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 6. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 6. It's a well-known passage. If you've been in church long enough, you probably have this uh, hanging up in your house somewhere. You go to Hobby Lobby, get it written out on a nice little canvas, and now you're hanging it up and making a Pinterest wall out of your apartment or house. You have it up there. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 6, it says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't depend on your own understanding. Don't lean on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path, to straight, which path to take. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. Now, just to give some context, this is King Solomon, otherwise known as the wisest man in the history of humanity. No other man was wiser than him, except Jesus. I can make that argument. God on earth, literally the guy, the goat, the legend himself. And he's writing some words of wisdom to his son. And see, if we break down this verse, we can see the elements of true biblical trust mapped out for us to see. And I say mapped out for us to see because I think sometimes we make hearing God really a lot more complicated than it needs to be. Do you realize that if you commit some time to opening up the Bible, actually reading it and studying it, you'll hear God pretty clear a lot faster I think it's funny that some people think they have to like go up to a silent mountain and, and disconnect all electronics and, and, and just sit there in an empty room and just say, God, speak to me. While I believe that does happen, it's not really the go-to here. But it's his word. The more you read his word, the more you hear his voice. It's very simple. I'm trying to help us out here. He breaks down the elements of true biblical trust. And he literally says in verse 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. Now let's stop there for a moment because I don't want us to miss this. See, we know this verse, we've heard it many times, we know that it's Solomon, the wisest man in all of humanity, with all of his wisdom and understanding. We know that he's the one who's writing this to his son. But I have a question. Don't you find it interesting that the man who knew everything somehow found it within himself to leave this message to his son. Hey, son, trust in the Lord and don't lean on your own understanding. Have you ever thought about that? And I believe that he did that because he was trying to show him something. Now, Solomon, for the most part, early on, he was God-fearing. He was there. If you read the history, eventually he falls off, but he still stays the wisest man ever in history. But he's telling his son, trust in the Lord and don't lean on your own understanding. He was trying to show him something. If you study the original Hebrew language that this verse was written in, you'll find that the Hebrew term used for trust, bata, I hope I'm saying that right, 
actually means to entrust yourself to or have full confidence in this, or have full confidence in. See, this term stems from an illustration of a servant waiting for the master's command, but being ready to obey. Solomon was a king. This illustration resonated with him. He understood what it was to have thousands of servants around him waiting for him to give the command. And notice this. It says that they're waiting the command, but they're ready to obey. And I believe that's something that's important for us to understand is part of trusting God isn't waiting for him to do everything for us. We have this twisted mentality in Western civilization culture that for some reason we think that depending on God means not doing everything and letting him do everything. When the fact is, no. As the illustrious Pastor Markell would say, right, he preaches his sermons, he says, you, you have to get active with your faith. You wait on the Lord. You depend on the Lord. But that doesn't mean that you don't have a part to play in it either. Another illustration related to this verse is that of a soldier who's been defeated in battle, yielding to the general that conquered him. And these are all illustrations that a king would use. And see, the main takeaway in all of this is that true biblical trust is a complete surrender of position, control, and being. When you say that you trust God, what you're saying is, is that I'm not in control of my life anymore. I'm not my own master. I'm submitted. It's God's way. I'm choosing in this moment right now to follow the, the commands and the words of God. To say that you trust God means to say that you trust his word, you trust his commands, you trust how he sees things, how he judges things. And here's the thing. We're not supposed to understand everything that God does. I'm sorry, but as humans, we are limited by our human nature. God isn't. Do you understand? Okay. Am I, getting, am I being loud and clear? Like, do you guys understand what I'm talking about here? To surrender to God isn't confined by our limitations. Do you understand that the God who created everything from nothing spoke it into existence? He didn't even lift a finger. He literally spoke it and it came to be. That's the God that you're surrendering to. You're no longer your own master. So the point that Solomon is trying to make is to his son is, hey, don't lean on what you know or what I know, your experience, your credentials, your title, but trust in the Lord. Surrender ownership and control of your life to God, and he will direct your path. He will show you where to go, when to move, when not to go. As the scholar John, John Trapp would later on say, to be able to fully trust in God is to be completely emptied of oneself and lean on God so much so that if God were to ever fail, you would cease to exist. That's real trust. But how many are grateful this morning that we serve a God who never fails? That we serve a God who is faithful until the end? That we serve a God who never sleeps, he never loses, he's always alert, always on time, an ever-present help in time of need? Yeah. 
He's there. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. If you're following on your notes, let's go to the next part. See, if we define trust knowing what we know now, it's believing in the reliability, the truth, ability, and or strength of something or someone. So to trust in God is to believe in his reliability, in his truth, his ability, and his strength. Now I want to clarify something. I mentioned the part where it says his truth, which is his word. And the reason why I feel like I need to bring clarification is because I'm not saying that term the way society views it today. You cannot claim to be a Christian and have a truth that is subjective to you. You can't. There is a theology that has infiltrated our country that literally says there is no such thing as facts. Truth can be whatever you want it to be. If it hurts your feelings, it's not right. It's not true. But according to the word, if I'm trusting in God, that means even if what he's saying doesn't feel good for me in the moment, I have to trust and believe that it's for my good. And church, understand this. I'm not talking about people outside of the church. I'm talking inside of the church. People want to pick and choose what parts of the Bible to follow and believe without taking the entire thing in its context. It's his word, his truth. And I'm scared for a little, for, for a main reason. Because back in the day, it used to be that the Bible was the lens by which we viewed society and what was right and wrong. But somehow, over the last couple of decades, it slowly began to shift. And now we're using society to view the Bible and say, oh, that's not right. That's not wrong. No! It is his word. His truth. The Bible has withstood the test of time. Why? Because it is God's spoken, holy, and true word. This is the standard by which you live your life. Period. Period. Drop the mic, walk off the stage. It's God's word. We got to go back to the basics. Now hear me. If you truly want to follow God, you need his word. I said to trust in God is to believe in his reliability, his truth, which is his word, his ability, and his strength. You know what's crazy? These are all words that we use to describe certain characteristics, right? Oh, that person's dependable. That person's reliable. That person is trustworthy. That person is strong. Like, the, the, you know, the strength is great. And see, here's what's crazy about God. While you can use those as adjectives, I want you to change your thinking. They're nouns. He is reliability. He is truth. He is strength. He is all these things. While we use these words to describe others, his nature, it's his nature. That's where these words come from. He is the originator of it. And that's who we trust. In other words, you know he's dependable. There is no plan B after God. Full trust in God 
means that it's God and it's going to work. I'm sorry, but there are way too many Christians inside of the church that claim to trust God but have backup plans and backup contingencies because they doubt. God is reliable. He is truth. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He's everywhere. He's in control. It is a complete dependency on God. So who are we dealing with when we're talking about God? Let's, let's, let's read some scriptures. Psalm 147, verse 5. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. No limit. Limitless. Not confined by our rules, our limitations. He is. Job, chapter 38, verses 4 through 7. Get this. If you haven't read the book of Job, I highly encourage you to. A lot of scholars actually agree that this was the first book actually written ever in the Bible. That's how far back it goes. And we get an exclusive look at an interaction between God and this man Job who's been complaining, talking about him because he's going through a rough patch in life. And God lets him out. God lets it happen. He said, oh, hey, go ahead. Let it out me. And Job is drilling him. Friends have come to talk to him, and he's got all this, and he lets it all out. And in a change of a chapter, it's like God says, okay, are you done? He literally says, because I have a few questions to ask you, and you need to answer them. And this is what he says in verse 4. This is God talking to Job. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Where were you? I have a question. How many of us in this room can speak something into existence from nothing? I wish. (laughs) A million dollars. Nope. Only God can. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 20. For all the promises of God find their yes in him. That is why it's through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. Romans chapter 11, verses 34 to 36. For who has known the mind of God? Or who has been his counselor? Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Amen. It's God. Complete. We're talking about trust. Now, I want to give an illustration of what trust is. Where is it at? Okay, here it is. Grab this real quick. Trust. Trust in the Lord. We're talking about trust in the Lord. Everybody see this? A chair, right? Simple stool, right? Here's what trust looks like. If If you're really trusting God, trusting God is this. This is trusting God. Some of you guys are like, I don't get it. Let me explain. I am not holding myself up right now. If Pastor Micaiah were to come up and kick this stool from under me, guess what? I would fall. I'm not holding myself up right now. There is no resistance. All of my weight, 
all of my dependency actually being up right now is based on the fact that I'm resting on this. There is no effort whatsoever holding me up. If this fails, I fail. I want you to envision this as being God. Now, I need a vote. Jordan, Jordan Jimenez, come, up, come on up here, man. Come up here real quick. Don't worry. You trust me? No pun intended. <laughs> Everybody say hi to Pastor Gary Jr. I'm just kidding. <laughs> this is the updated Pastor Gary 2.0. Take a seat, man. All right, now, okay, now don't wobble, okay? I don't, I don't know how good these, sto- yeah, don't do that. That's, I'm just kidding. I trust it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. This is what trust looks like. We just explained it, correct? All of his weight is on it. If I were to come up and he's gone, okay? But the stool is fine. It's designed to hold him. It's meant to carry the weight. It's not going to fail. It's designed to hold him. Full trust. Now get this. What am I doing? I'm supporting it. How does this look? For how many people this looks silly? Raise your hand in here. Okay, thank God there are some people that are actually thinking, okay? It looks silly, right? This is how most Christians trust in the Lord looks like. God is literally saying, put all of your trust in me. I'm going to hold you up. I'm going to sustain you. And a lot of us in this room, what we're saying is, God, I trust you. I really do. I trust you. And we're getting exhausted. We're getting tired because we're trying to hold this down, thinking that we're doing something effective. When in reality, God is saying, you're wearing yourself out. I can hold you. I'm the one who sustains you. I don't need your help. And I believe that some of us in this room right now, we're claiming that we trust God. We're claiming that we give him everything that he can carry us, yet we're afraid to let go of the school and fully let him have it. Full trust. And the thing is, God isn't upset at you for doing this, but you're good, man. Thank you. Give it up for give it up for Jordan. There you go. The thing is, God isn't here to condemn you and to judge you and tell you no, you don't do that. But what he's trying to say is, hey, sit down. You're wearing yourself out. You're carrying a burden that you were never meant to carry in the first place. Trust me. Trust me. Does that make sense? Cool. Trust me. So church, my question to you this morning is, in who or what are you placing your trust? Because get this, all of us place our hope and trust in something or someone, even if that someone becomes ourself. It's in your human nature to do so. God designed you that way. He designed you with an internal dependency meter, which means you're meant to depend on something. So the question is, evaluate. And who or what are you trusting right now in your life? No condemnation. I'm not judging y'all. I'm asking these same questions to myself too. 
But I believe what God is saying is, I have everything under control. I have everything that you will need. I am everything that you will ever need. Trust me. Some of you in this room have been gasping for air, trying to get a miracle to happen, but you're trying to also do it on your own strength. And what God is saying is, no, trust me. God is a provider. God is a protector. God is a healer. He's an ever-present help in time of need, always on time. He's for you. He's not against you. He has a plan for you to prosper and to have a hope and a future. This is all God. Surrender. Put your weight on him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. He will show you the way to a life of abundance. The Bible has many examples of people who decided to fully trust God, and their lives were changed forever. I want to look at one of my favorite stories, the nativity story, or as I like to call it, the big trust story. Somebody say big trust. Big trust. Big trust. Any Baltimore Raven fans in here? Baltimore Ravens? And even if you were, you wouldn't raise your hand right now. You'd be like, no, a bunch of Niner fans. There's no way. <laughs> or you Rams fans or whatever, you know, Raider fans. I, I hear you. I see you. Raider fans are loyal. I'll give you that much. <laughs> All right, moving on here. <clears throat> Big trust story. Is any of this making sense? You guys doing good? Everybody okay out there? All right, cool. Let's open up our Bibles to Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 38. Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 38. We're talking about people in the Bible who have trusted God. They've put their whole trust in God. This story has so much to unpack, but, but essentially we want to focus on the, character of Mary, on the characters of Mary and Joseph. Now, Jesus gets a lot of love on Christmas, as he should. <laughs> Jesus is the reason for the season. I have it on a poster. It's hanging in my apartment. It's there. He should. But Mary and Joseph also play an important part in this. Luke chapter 1, verses 26, 38. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Verse 29. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary. The angel told her, For you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, But how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say that she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. Amen. Mary responded, 
I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And the angel left. The angel understood the assignment. Mary, congratulations. You're it. Got that? I'm out. That's what he did. Mary was given a word from God, a promise. And in this story, if we break it apart, there are three takeaways that we can learn about trusting in God. Complete trust. Let's go through these points. Number one, trust God even when it doesn't make sense. When it defies logic. Verses 34 to 37. How can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The whole thing right there. Furthermore, on verse 36, what's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say that she was barren. Now she's conceived a son and is in her sixth month. The word of God will never fail. It doesn't make logical sense for this miracle to take place. It doesn't make logical sense for this word to come to pass. But the word of the Lord never fails. And I believe that what God wants to tell you this morning is that for a lot of us in this room, there are promises and words that God has spoken into your life and you're waiting to see how logically you can get there. If we're not careful, logistically we can get in the way of watching a move of God happen in our life. There are some things that God will do that can't be explained. By definition, a miracle is something that can't be explained. And get this, that's not even somebody inside of a church. It can be a doctor who doesn't even believe in God, but what do they say? I don't know how to explain it, but somehow it's a miracle. Now, if a doctor can't explain it, why are we trying to explain it? It's a miracle. That's the explanation. Only God can and I believe that what's happening this morning is God wants to encourage some of you, don't lose hope. Just because it doesn't make sense up here doesn't mean that it's not going to happen. Trust me. I'm all powerful. I know what you need. I see it. Trust me. Can you endure it? I'm doing something. Trust God even when it doesn't make sense. Isaiah 55 verses 8 through 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Amen. God's got this. Give yourself a break. Stop trying to figure it out and just trust God. I love you. Trust God even when it doesn't make sense. Number two, trust God even when it goes against the culture. When it goes against the culture. Let's open up to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. 
But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. Decided to break the engagement quietly. Trust God even when it goes against the culture. I don't know if you guys understand the, the, the Hebrew history behind this, but for a woman to be pregnant out of wedlock... It's beyond just what we would call, oh, that's a, that's a kind of a failure. No. In this society, in this time, she could be killed on spot. The culture would tell Joseph, you are authorized to stone her because she's pregnant without being married to you. The culture was trying to dictate what was happening. So he was like, you know, I don't want to do that. So I'm going to do it quietly. As he considered this, verse 20, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. See, it was in this moment that Joseph decided to hold on to the promise versus what society deemed acceptable. He wasn't selfish. He didn't take the easy way out, which is, you know what, I'm just going to, you know what, it's cool. I'm just going to let it go right here. Easy, but no, he decided to choose the promise. And I believe what's important for us to understand is this. If you choose the promise over what society says, it doesn't matter what they do to you, what they say. You'll get the blessing in the end. Some of us in this room, we have been paying attention too much to what society is saying, and we have taken our eyes off of God, the one who's actually capable of doing the work. Don't be limited by what society says. Don't follow the trend or the culture. See, maybe you don't understand what I'm saying. Our culture today thrives on feeding this narrative that, you know what, you make your destiny happen. Forget what people said about you. You make it happen. You make this dream work. You could do anything. You're superhuman. You're this. You're that. And it's like we get so fed up with it. And it's like, no. God is saying, come back to me. I am all that you need. Only in me will you find what you're looking for. Now, look, get this. I'm not against you if you're, like, grinding, like, for real, and, you, you know, you got a dream and a vision. I, I'm not against you all right that, okay? I'm, of course. If you're able to make your money, boo-boo, go ahead. Go ahead. But what I'm trying to say is that God wants a church who is dependent on him, where he's the focus. Psalm 37, verse 5. Commit to... Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will act. He will act on your behalf. See, that's the difference. Society puts you at the forefront. When God is saying, I'm before you. I go before you. Someone needs to be encouraged. God is for you. Why would you ever want to be away from that? If God is for you, who can be against you? You are above and you are not beneath. You are the head, you're not the tail. 
For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, to give you a future and a hope. It's a life of abundance. Why would we ever want to get away from that? Because unlike society, I'm sorry, there are some conditions that come with that. You have to live right. It's not just about, boom, I said the prayer, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, then I go back to my old life. And I'm sorry if you were made to believe that. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, his standards, his way of living, wanting to be more like Christ. And then these things will be added to you. Trust him. Trust God when it defies logic. Trust God even when it goes against culture. And this is my final point. This is where I'll close. Trust God even when you don't see the full picture. I got to have a team come up. Trust God when you don't see the full picture. The angel appears to to Mary and Joseph. You're going to have the chosen one, Jesus, the son of God. He's going to reign on the throne forever. His kingdom will have no end. His reign will have no end. Mary says, may everything that you said and spoken come true. But get this, if you keep reading, Angel left out a couple details. Didn't really give the whole picture. Yeah, you're going to be the one that has the child and he's the the king and he's going to reign forever. But oh, I I forgot to mention, there's going to be a crazy psychotic king who's so insecure about his throne that he sends out an executive order to kill all the firstborn sons. Which means that you're now going to have to flee to Egypt and wait there till he passes away. And understand this, a Hebrew living in Egypt, that's a hard life. Crazy king, you're going to have to leave your land, you're going to have to go over there. You're going to be born in a manger. It's not going to be a hotel, sorry. You're basically going to be in a barn. And this is the one that gets me the most. Mary, you're going to spend your life raising this child. Training it. Caring for it. Only for him to become a man and get crucified and you can't do anything to stop it. And yet despite all that, without having to be told that, what does she say? May everything that you've spoken over me come to pass that's the kind of trust I want where I don't need another explanation besides God said so church if we're going to step into what God has for us in this new year we got to get beyond trying to figure out reasons to justify why is God asking me to do this he said so that's it he said so get this even with all that there was a promise that was going to come to pass there were going to be some things that Mary had to endure hardships that she was going to endure but it didn't take away the fact that there was an eternal promise there was a reward attached to that 
And I believe that what we can translate to that for us today is that there are many of us right now that are on the other side. You're right on the cusp of a miracle or a promise coming to pass. And because you've endured some hard things, it's kind of hard to keep that trust in God. I feel you. It's difficult to maintain that zeal and that fire and that trust in God. But I'm here to remind you, don't quit. Your miracle is just on the other side. Your promise is just on the other side. You've endured too much. You've conquered too much. You've gone through too much. Don't throw in the towel now. You're here. You're standing. Whether it be bruised, broken, battered, you're still here. That means the enemy couldn't take you out. Don't quit. Don't give up. Fight the good fight. Carry on. Whether you have to crawl to the altar, crawl to the altar. If you have to spend your life on your knees crying out to God, then spend your life on your knees crying out to God. But don't quit. Your miracle is on the other side of your prayer. Your promise is on the other side of your endurance. You are capable. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. If God is for me, who can be against me? Trust me. Trust me. But God, this is the only job. Trust me. God, if I leave this person, trust me. God, I don't know about this marriage. Trust me. God, the doctors have said, trust me. I have the last say. Pastor Gary, when you brought up Aaron Gregory, this is the first time that I felt something break in me. No reason to complain about in life. After how many bouts of chemo, after how many times they've written him off, and yet he's still finding the strength to get up every now and then and walk around? Take that, devil! That's the kind of trust that I want. It's a bounce back type of faith. Don't quit. And when you feel like you can't stand anymore and you can't take anymore, have a seat. Watch what God does from this position. I'm gonna ask everybody to please stand your feet. It's been an honor to speak to you guys. I, I went over again. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> Church, what God has for us is so much better than anything we could have imagined. And if you don't have the strength to believe in him, I get it, life is hard. I'll be right there next to you believing for you. We are a body. 
different backgrounds, different ethnicities, different stories, different histories, different generations represented. We are all one in Christ. I'm going to answer this altar call myself. How many of you in here, you just say, Pastor Nelson, I need my trust in God to be restored. Would you raise your hand all across this place? Your hands everywhere. I want my trust to be renewed in God too. Just for a moment, let's begin to pray. Father, we come before you right now in Jesus' name. God, we need you. We need you. In you alone, we choose in this moment to put our hope and our trust, God. Lord, we make the active decision to believe that you are all-powerful, all-knowing, that you have what's best for us. God, I pray for every single person that's in this sanctuary right now that needs an extra measure of grace and faith and trust to be increased in their life. God, would you bring it? God, I pray for people that have been that have been already sentenced to death by doctors and hospitals. God, would you bring life and would you bring a miracle? God, I pray for marriages that are on the cusp of breaking. God, would you bring restoration and healing? God, I pray for those that need financial provision. God, would you show them what their trust in you looks like as you are Jehovah Jireh, our provider. God, we choose in this moment to trust you, to follow you. And God, I don't need to see the whole picture. But can I be reminded that you have me in the palm of your hand? Can you remind me that you're strong enough to carry me with all of my mess, with all of my junk, with my brokenness, battered and bruised and bleeding and everything else? God, can you show me? Show me that you see me. God, I pray trust would increase now in the mighty name of Jesus. God, there is nothing impossible for you. There is nothing impossible for you. God, we choose to rest on you in this morning, God. Be everything that we need. In Jesus' name. The other prayer that I think is important to make is that if you've never accepted Christ, or maybe you have and you kind of drifted away, there is no better decision to make. And you know what? It, it doesn't matter how it looks, where you're at in your life. It can be as simple as, Pastor Nelson, I don't know what this whole Jesus thing is like, but it sure sounds a lot better than what I'm living in right now. What I'd like to do is I'd like for all of us as a family to make that prayer together. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Come on, church, repeat this prayer after me. Say, God, I need you. Will you come into my heart? Will you turn things around? I am in need of a Lord and a Savior. I turn away from my sins. I come back to you. Help me to trust you. Help me to lean on you. Show up in what seems impossible. I confess you as Lord of my life. I believe in Jesus. 
and I believe that you could turn my life around. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, we don't, obviously we preach this. It's not about just repeating the prayer. It's believing in your heart that Jesus is Lord. All across the room, if that was you and you made your prayer, on the count of three, I just want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. I see that hand back there. Yeah. I see it. I see those. I see that hand. I see that hand. Yeah, come on, man. That's a lot of people getting saved today. It's the best decision of your life. You just wait and see what that's going to do for you when you come out there and go back to your real life. The word of the Lord never fails. Church, it's been an honor and a privilege to be able to share the message. I thank you guys for letting me go over. I know some of you guys are hungry and like, Pastor, do you know what time it is? It's lunchtime. Amen. Praise God. I love you, church. I want you guys to know that there's no better place to be on a Sunday. Make sure I want to give some instruction here real quick, and then I'll pray to dismiss, and then we'll get out of here. If it, I want to say this. If you've never met me in person and you've always been, like, hesitant to, like, maybe go shake my hand, just, just come up after service. We can talk it out. It's cool. Like, I, I'm your average guy. I just want to let you know, like, hey, what's up? <laughs> I like food, too. Don't worry. <laughs> but I want to let you know this is your church home. We're all family here. Make sure you come out next Sunday for the Christmas production. I want to let you know something. Service is scheduled to start at 9, but that means that the, that the production is going to start pretty much on time. So if you want to get a good seat, get here a little earlier. Now, I know for some of you guys, it's like, ooh, Pastor, I don't know about 8.30. Neither does your seat if you're not there, man. I'm just going to say, if you don't come at 8.30, 8.45, you know what I mean? But get here on time. Come celebrate with us. I know Pastor Markel. Give it up for Pastor Markel McGee one time. It's my guy. It's my boss. Love that man. They've been putting in a lot of work with Kathy, Brother Sam. I also want to thank uh, the media team, media department, media team. Love you guys. Thank you. I, I always say that. They, all the slides and everything, they're always just on point with it. Never complaining about me even though I'm late. <laughs> but church, as we move forward, Let's continue to keep each other in prayer. Be open with one another. Trust. Let's build that trust amongst each other. Amen? We'll pray and let's get out of here. Father, we thank you for a great day in your presence. God, I pray that this word would be sealed in the hearts of everyone that heard it, God. Lord, would you do what you do best now and just show up in a supernatural way? God, there are people that have waited to, to see you move and they're right at the edge, God. And I just pray, would you overwhelm them with what you're about to do? Would you show them that there is no other God greater than you? God, I pray for protection. I pray for grace and favor to cover every single person as they leave and go out into this week. God, we look forward to celebrating you this holiday season. And God, we just praise you and give you all the honor and glory for you alone are worthy. God, would you keep us safe, protect us as we go home. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Love you guys. Thank you for joining us once again for this week's sermon podcast. We pray God's blessing on you as you face your day and week ahead. For more videos, messages, and other content, make sure you follow, like, and subscribe to all of our social media accounts on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram 
at GoHarvestEG. And be sure to check out our website at GoHarvest.org for the latest information on events and services. Until next time, stay encouraged and don't miss the opportunity to be a blessing to the world around you. God bless. Thank you.